Our scripture reader this reading this morning is Luke 2, verses 1 through 7. There should be there are Bibles in your pews if you would like to follow along in those. Uh, or if you brought your Bible, you can open there now. If you don't have a Bible and you would like one, please take one of those home today as our gift to you. Uh, but the scripture reading is here up on the screen. Luke 2, 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So uh, can everyone grab out this card uh, that you got when you came in uh, this morning? Uh, Like you heard me say in the video, uh, we're just asking folks, uh, each one of us, to make an intentional commitment heading into the end of the year to say, what's it look like for you, for me, for each of us to follow Jesus together for the good of the world? Uh, And there are some different aspects of that. You know, uh, this first piece of following Jesus, uh, starting or going deeper in your relationship with Christ, being with him uh, this year. And so there's a couple pieces in there where I I said, uh, why don't you and I intentionally think about, hey, we've been baptized, right? Have we been people who have uh, marked ourselves as those who are Jesus followers, right? That's what he says to do. Uh, uh, Are you spending daily time with Jesus? Are you sitting at his feet, getting to know him? So maybe it's in that area of following Jesus where you're saying, man, this is the year I get baptized, right? Uh, and second, uh, together, uh, just commitments in that area. Uh, maybe, maybe this is the year you start going to church again, right? Or for the first time uh, and, and connecting into the community. Uh, maybe this is the year that you decide, hey, I'm going to become a member at the well. This is going to be my church home. Uh, so that's one of those commitment areas uh, and saying, as long as I live in D.C., this is my church home or uh, the next one, uh, connecting or going deeper in your community group this year. So that's in that together piece. And then for the good of the world, intentional commitments there. Uh, maybe this is the year that you share with and we've left that blank. Uh, like I want to talk with this person about who Jesus is and what he's done in my life. Uh, or this is the year where you get really engaged in local or international missions or, or take that first step, you know, to serve at a Title I school with uh, somebody else here in the body or to uh, help out with refugee or displaced people, you know, right? uh, figuring some of that out. So uh, we're just saying, hey, would you pray? Would you think in those three areas and then make an intentional decision heading into 2024 before December 31st uh, in one of those areas, maybe all of those areas? Uh, and then the last piece I want everybody thinking on, praying on, is just what would it look like to give a really generous end of year financial gift? Uh, at the end of last year, we said, hey, let's give a ton of cash, and about 100000 was given. We just blew it out the doors right away, and it was so awesome. It was so fun. Uh, this year, what we're saying is, hey, let's give a ton of cash, and then let's uh, uh, weave it into our budget into this coming year that we would just go strong into following Jesus together for the good of the world in 2024. All right, so that's how we're going to use the money, uh, uh, internal to our staffing, uh, external into how we're uh, serving and blessing uh, locally and internationally the world, but we're going to weave it into our budget this coming year in 2024.
All right, uh, so would you be praying? Would you decide what's that look like to make a commitment? Uh, on the 31st, uh, we're asking everybody to take these cards if, uh, and drop them into that lockbox. We'll bring it around and just drop it into the blue box and say, this is my commitment this year. If you, if you said, hey, I'm going to get baptized, then we'll follow up with you on that. If you said, I'm going to be a member, uh, we'll follow up with questions on that and, and so on and so on, okay? Uh, you'll notice <clears throat> I have less of a voice this morning. It's because I've been yelling a lot the past two days at my kids. No, actually just at one of my kids. Uh, Jacob has had a wrestling tournament for the past two days, and, and I've been yelling as he pinned kid after kid after kid. And that, I, I mean, that's just fun for a dad to watch your son punish. I'm just going to say punish some other kids. <laughs> He had a lot of years where he was being punished, so it's pretty fun now. He's a senior this year. Sorry to embarrass you. All right. Uh, I, I want us to do what we've often done at the beginning of our uh, sermon uh, and, and kneel before the Lord. Uh, if, if you're willing or if you're able to, uh, would you kneel with me now? And uh, we'll pray about a couple things. Uh, first, I want us to pray about our commitments heading into December 31st. Uh, second, I want us to pray about buildings. Uh, there's a lot a few uh, really amazing opportunities for a, a permanent space here in Silver Springs. So uh, let's just pray that the Lord might open up the right one and, and give the right provision to do that. And then all guys in our last piece of prayer. Uh, so Father, now we come before you first just to praise you. We want to praise you. We want to thank you for who you are and all you've done in our lives. You've been so kind and gracious to you. Let's silently praise him right now as we come before him. And now, Father, each of us just uh, pray about these different commitment areas and, and what we might give generously into the end of the year that we might follow you together for the good of the world with great generosity and strength into 2024. And Father, now we pray about uh, the building you might have for us, God. Uh, if it's one of these three or four buildings, God, would you move it forward in your might and would you provide mightily for it? God, if this is what you have planned for us, one of these, would you just do it? And if it's not, would we continue just to trust you as you're a good, sovereign, mighty God and King? And lastly, Father, we come before you uh, humbled and ask that you would humble us in a way that we would hear from your scriptures, that uh, much like the angels uh, burst forth from the heavens and the shepherds heard your words, God, would you speak to us this morning through your words that we might find ourselves uh, worshiping you, obeying you, coming to you in a new way, enjoying you, and following you.
Father, thank you so much for Advent, the season to remind us that your son has arrived, he has come. And the season to remind us that he will arrive again, he is coming back. And God, we wait in this middle season in between those two arrivals, uh, longing for you, to know you more, to enjoy you more, to know the, the purpose you bring, the peace you bring, the life you bring. To enjoy the community you've given in the church, to, to enjoy blessing and giving the blessings you've given to us away to others. God, we, we want to know you more, we want to love you more, we want to serve you more. God, would you do that this morning as we hear from your scriptures? Would you transform our hearts, our minds, our lives? As in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, Advent, it's a season of contrast. Maybe you heard it in the beginning of our reading in Luke chapter 2. It's a season of contrast where we see the glory of God breaking forth in the heavens in a way where we say, Oh my God, you have come in the God-man, in Jesus, who is fully God and fully man. He's a baby born in a feeding trough of a manger. And, and you, are, you are glorious, uh, but you're... God, you're accessible. You're, you're, you're mighty, but you're merciful, right? Like we, we see you, you are a God of great acclaim, but you're so accessible. You, you are God, right? It's a season of contrast, right? Where we see what God has done and, and we see his glory, we see his grace, but then also it's a, it's a moment maybe in our lives of contrast where we say, oh God, joyful, joyful, right? There are all these things. Uh, hark the herald and we're singing with joy, but man, we're lonely man we're longing for that child that has not yet come man our families are broken man we keep sinning that same kind of way and we feel shame and guilt Right? It's, a, it's a, a season of contrast that uh, Jesus has arrived and he's arriving again. He will return, but we're stuck in the middle. We see God's glory breaking in from heaven to earth. And, and then in our lives, we feel it too. And what we're going to do, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, which is a, uh, this moment of contrast, maybe where it's highlighted the, in the greatest way in the Advent season of angels and shepherds, two groups you'd never see together in the same room. <laughs> And what we're going to see is that uh, the, the glory and the grace of God come together in this moment. His great glory and His amazing grace and mercy and humility all come together in this moment. And when they collide, that will transform your life. When His glory and His grace collide and come together, it will transform your life. So we'll, just, we'll read through the text and we're going to go all the way from uh, verse 1 to verse 21 of chapter 2. And we'll, we'll do what we often don't do in Christmas and we'll slow down and hear the text and hear from our God. And when we're reading through, listen for the contrast. Listen for the contrast of the story of His glory mighty and His grace so tender. And then after we've read it, we'll, we'll kind of highlight uh, the one side of his glory and then highlight the other side of his grace and talk about how, when those two come together, will it transform our lives, all right? Uh, so let's get into it. This is Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. 
Uh, let me remind us, this is our second week in Luke, that uh, Luke is a historian or a doctor. He's a, a Gentile guy. He's not Jewish, but he's really familiar with all the uh, Jewish writings and culture. He's maybe a person who's uh, become Jewish, right, awaiting for the Messiah to come. And he writes with uh, great accuracy and historic accuracy, as, and he does that here. It, he's not telling a fable or a myth. He's telling history. And he's telling it in a way that it remembers we read in the first couple verses of Luke that he would record for us all that has been accomplished by Jesus. Everything. See, God had a goal and it was accomplished in Jesus. And, and so he's writing that history, that story of all that occurred that we would know what God has accomplished in Jesus. And it is done. It is finished. God has done as he pleased and he did it in the God-man, his son, Jesus Christ. And so he's uh, writing this history, and he goes on, and these are uh, all historic people, and this is uh, probably somewhere around uh, 4 B.C. to 0 or 1 A.D., right in there, and, and Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of a house in the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, uh, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Now, let me uh, pause for a second. A lot happened in those couple verses, right? Uh, Mary and Joseph are going from Nazareth, which is in the north, and going down to uh, Jerusalem, which is in the south, and, and past uh, that to Bethlehem, the city of David. That's about 60 miles a walk. And then the text says they went up because they're, though they're going south, they're going kind of up a hill towards Jerusalem, then past it into Bethlehem. And it's about 60 miles. Now, uh, this is a, a pretty tedious journey, right? You've got the, uh, the, they're probably teenagers, Joseph and Mary, and, and Mary, uh, they're betrothed, they're not yet married, and she's pregnant, and she's obviously pregnant, so they're walking, what I would say, in shame for about 60 miles, because everyone knows they're not married yet, and she's pregnant. That's a 60-mile journey with a pregnant woman. That's terrible, you know, we went out west this summer with all eight of us in a six-seater van. That was 33 mo hours in the car. That was terrible. <laughs> no, it actually ended up being really fun. You know, it was really fun. <laughs> Shockingly, I don't know how. Uh, uh, Courtney had really uh, prepped for the trip, so that's probably how. But it, uh, this is a terrible journey, right? And, and they're going, and while they get to Bethlehem, they're probably uh, huffing and puffing, and they're there. She's about time to give birth, and, and she gave first to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there's no place for them in the inn. So they're tired. They show up after a terrible journey, and there's no place for them. And she gives birth, probably in a side room or back room. It could be a cave, possibly. And in that same region, uh, down in the south, outside of Jerusalem, in that same region in Bethlehem, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And also outsiders, also those forgotten, uh, those overlooked. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. All people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. It's an amazing sight. The angels are out because uh, they're outcasts and they're out in the middle of the night attending uh, to their sheep and the heavens open and the angels come out and the shepherds are all out there in, in the dark because uh, uh, like I said, I think I said angels there, they're, they're outcasts, they're, they're outside, they're, they're watching the sheep and, and then the heavens open up and God says, I haven't forgotten you, I see you and I want you to partake in the glory of what I'm doing. And this announcement comes for all people, good news, today a Savior is born, David, who's Christ the Lord. Uh, in, the, in the line of David, right, he's, he's in the lineage of the king, Second uh, Samuel chapter 7 said there's going to be uh, some king that's going to come and reign eternally in your line, David, and, and everyone's waiting for him, and, and here comes a king who's born in the lineage of David. Uh, he's the savior, the one who's going to rescue the world and forgive us of our sins, uh, an even grander mission than was supposed. Uh, he's the Christ, which is not his last name. Uh, he's the anointed one. He's the Lord himself, God, here come to earth. All the boxes are checked in Jesus. And the angels went away from them into heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I love it. The Lord has made known to us that the Lord is born this day. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Uh, and this is kind of the meeting after the meeting, right? Uh, the angels come and, and, and the shepherds are in awe. And then when the angels went away, you can imagine they're like, Oh my gosh. And they, they huddle up uh, and they say, we should probably go and see what the angels just talked about. So they decide in that meeting after the meeting to go with haste. And they go with haste. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. I love it. They're focused on the saying, the message of what they've heard. They're not even really focused on that amazing moment when the angels came. They're focused on the fact that, oh, he said the Savior, the one in the lineage of David has come. Christ, the King, the Lord himself is born today. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, in contrast, treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, God saves, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. I love that story. <laughs> And I'm so glad we get to hear it every year, that history, that truth of what God has done in his glory and in his grace. Uh, there's this moment at the end where, you know, the, the shepherds are running around, they're telling, and everyone's kind of wondering. It's this public moment, and then they're publicly praising and worshiping God, and then in contrast, but Mary, she, she hears it, and she, she, she ponders it, she treasures it privately in her life, in her heart, in her mind. She's like, wow, God. And the shepherds are like, wow, God. Uh, might we say again, wow, 
God, what you have done in your glory, in your majesty. Connect with us in a way through your grace and your mercy. You, the God of great acclaim, have made yourself accessible. Might we say, wow, and respond much like the shepherds, Mary and Joseph. Let's get into it. How does this contrast of who God is in his glory and his grace radically transform our lives? Let's look into his glory, his holiness, his majesty, that moment when the heavens break open and we see all these angels and they're singing like crazy. Uh, First, uh, the glory of God. Uh, We see it uh, all throughout the text in these uh, different little uh, hints that that God is doing something just majestic and mighty and we're kind of humbled by how amazing he is, right? Uh, At first, uh, verse 9, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of God, which is just, glory is just another uh, idea of pulling back the curtain or the revelation of God himself where he says, this is who I am. And we see him, and we do just what the shepherds do, and there's just fear right at first. It's like, oh my God. And there's fear. Even that one angel, verse 9. One angel. But then in verse 13, suddenly there's with that one angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. And you got to say, when they were kind of shaking in their boots at first, now they're saying, oh my God, like what is happening? We are seeing the glory and the majesty and the holiness of someone who is much unlike us. He's perfect. He's majestic. And I am not like him. I am in trouble. He's glorious. He's holy. Uh, He's announcing a king. King David in the lineage, sorry, uh, Jesus in the the lineage of David. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7. He's the eternal king to come. Uh, Let's learn just a moment how we might respond to God's glory, his holiness, his majesty, his otherness than us. What do they do? The first is fear wonder worship and the second is obedience with haste and just unequivocally uh, notice they they, they are uh, their jaws are dropping and they're wondering they're praising they're worshiping him and the first kind of reaction to the holiness the glory of god is just simply wow and our reverence and our respect and a fear a placement of humility, bending our knee before him. A jaw-dropping moments, right? And then the second is obedience. I, I love it. And they, they have this meeting and they say, hey, we ought to go do what uh, the angels just said and go see. And with haste they go. Uh, so they go see what the angels have talked about and they do it with haste. Well, what about you then this Christmas, this Advent? What's it look like for you to, to worship with wonder? And reverence, and also to obey with haste and fully. And see, you, you can't microwave wonder. It, it takes stepping back and, and gazing the uh, reality of who our holy, majestic, mighty God is. I do that right before our Christmas tree. <laughs> I try and do it every day. I sit in this leather chair that I moved right in front of the Christmas tree, and, and I'll sip something, and whether it be hot tea or bourbon, and I'll just read a little bit of book, and I'll, uh, the scriptures or an Advent book, and I'll just, 
I'll, I'll slow and I'll ponder and I'll treasure and I'll say, who is my God? And, and right next to our fake Christmas tree, I told you last week, a bit of me died when I put up a fake Christmas tree, is the real, is the real Christmas tree that Leo made, which is just a stick with two other sticks in it. I love it. But you can't microwave wonder. Uh, where's your place we're going to sit before the feet of a holy God this Advent and slow down and ponder and worship him for who he is other than who we are? And then obedience. Where are you out of step with this holy God? Where is your life out of step with the holy, just, mighty God? He's not messing around in this passage. There is fear in the eyes of these shepherds at first. Before, there is worship even. It's just this reverence of, oh, dang, we're done. So where is the place where you need to stop and confess your life is not in line with Him? The glory of our God. The second aspect I want to heighten, uh, highlight in the contrast then is the, the grace of our God. The grace of our God. Uh, notice through this passage, His grace is everywhere. Where, where He is, He's holy, He's also really humble. Where He's majestic, He's also so merciful. Where He's a God of great acclaim, He's also super accessible. Uh, you know, uh, verse 8, just uh, read along with me. There's the same region, there's shepherds out in the field. We've talked about these shepherds. They're outcasts. They're overlooked. They're the people no one invites to the party. They're the ones that God chooses to invite. Their testimony, shepherds, not accepted in court. Uh, in some quotes of the time, uh, of Jesus' time, uh, the quotes go like, hey, if you're going to uh, consider purchasing something from a shepherd, don't do it because it's probably stolen. Uh, if you happen to see a shepherd in a ditch, says another quote, just go ahead and walk by. You don't need to save him. That's shepherds. They're like, kind of like the garbage men of today. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you're, if you're a garbage man. I know it's a good, it is a good vocation. So were shepherds. But they were left out. So were Joseph and Mary. Uh, they're two teenagers most likely overlooked, looked down on because they're young. Uh, they're from Nazareth. That's not a great part of town. And we know they're just super poor. Why do we know that? Well, one, they can't pay for their own place to stay, but also uh, when they go to offer sacrifices at the temple uh, in verse 24 of this same chapter, all they take with them, uh, they're going to offer this sacrifice for Jesus to dedicate him to God, and all they take is two little turtle doves. Uh, back in Leviticus, we see uh, when you have your firstborn son, dedicate him, and you take a lamb, right? Uh, take your best lamb and go uh, dedicate it at the temple uh, and, and slaughter it. Uh, and, and all, if you're, but then it says if you're really poor, you can take some uh, doves or turtle doves. Overlooked, the uninvited, the grace, the mercy, the love of our God. It's played out through Jesus' whole life. His mercy, his love, his kindness, his tenderness, his beckoning of those you wouldn't think are invited. In Luke chapter 7, a little bit later, there's this Roman centurion, right? These are the guys who are pressing Jesus' people, right? And, and he welcomes that guy and he heals his servant. In Luke chapter 8, there's this prostitute. And she comes and she breaks this alabaster jar and she pours it on Jesus. And, and everyone's like, oh! Don't hang out with sinners like that. And Jesus says, man, whenever people talk about me, they're going to talk about her and this. It's amazing who she is and what she's done. And he welcomes her. He beckons her in by grace. 
Luke chapter 19. Uh, Zacchaeus is like the worst of the worst tax collectors. He's cheating the people. He's stealing their money for both Rome and for himself as a tax collector. And Jesus says, you're welcome in. I want to go to your house today, Zacchaeus. <laughs> Jesus is always doing this kind of thing. The glorious God who is in man uh, fully God, fully man, welcoming us in. He's always doing this kind of thing. In Luke chapter 14, there's this awesome uh, parable. I, I won't read the whole thing. It's kind of long. But in it, uh, uh, there's this wedding feast about to happen. And, and Jesus says, you know, the, the guy who's going to throw the wedding feast goes out and he invites everybody you think you ought to invite. And then they don't show up. The, the rich, the, the worthy, the educated, they don't come. And so then Jesus says, go out into the streets and invite everybody you wouldn't expect to invite well welcome them in by grace they can come and celebrate no ticket needed i'll take the bill i'll pay the way so what about us what's this look like then to follow the god of grace this advent the uh, first thing i want you to know is you are invited you're invited even you even me uh, the sinful, the outsider, the, uh, the person at this echelon or that echelon, you are invited. If you think you've lived a life that just says, I'm not worthy, I can't come, this is exactly why Jesus came. He says, I want to invite you in by grace. Republicans are even invited. Democrats are even invited. The rich are even invited. The poor are even invited. The black are invited. The white are invited. The Korean are invited. Everybody's invited. Says this Middle Eastern Jewish carpenter. A second thing, well, I, I guess I'd say, what, what keeps you from coming? What keeps you from coming? What keeps you from coming and enjoying the very grace of God who loves you like this? And then the second thing I would say is uh, invite them. Invite them, whoever them is. Uh, this is what we do in our lives. Well, this is us. This is we. And then this is the other. This is them. Uh, whoever is uninvited. Who God doesn't have grace for that person. Would you invite them into the very grace of God? Uh, we're going to step into some situations uh, this Christmas, right? Because we're going to step into living rooms where our family is. <laughs> yeah. Even your mother-in-law is invited. I love my, my if my mother-in-law is watching, I love you. <laughs> even your mother-in-law. Uh, even the brother that has shunned you or harmed you or belittled you. Uh, even the dad who's abandoned you. invite them how do you invite them i just say talk about who jesus is and what he's doing in your life and let them know they can take part in his grace too all right so we've looked at the the glory of our god and the contrast then of the grace the mercy the humility of our god who welcomes and invites all how does this transform our lives how does the collision of the two transform our lives uh, so in, in the glory and the grace, uh, here's what we often do, right? We say, uh, okay, uh, you, you know, uh, I'm going to either be a, a glory and holiness of God person or I'm going to be a grace and the mercy and the love of God person, right? Like, 
uh, we're, we're typically falling in one of those two categories. Like uh, we're Christians who really focus on this idea of, man, God is holy, he's just, he commands, if he says it, we do it. Or we focus on the idea of God is so merciful and loving and kind. And what we do if we're kind of this, uh, this glory and holiness kind of Christian, uh, we live our lives in a way uh, where we say, if he said it, I obey it. If he, he commands it, I do it. I'm going to live for the holy God. Like, I'm not going to be out of step. But what we uh, do in that is, is we diminish his holiness in a way where it becomes attainable. And we actually think, actually, I am kind of doing it. <laughs> he commands and I am doing it. And then we look to the left or the right and we say, and actually, you're not doing it well enough. If, if you would just try harder, you could, and we don't say it out loud, but be like me. Who's living up to the standard? I go to church every day. I serve like crazy. I give my life away. Like, I'm doing it. God is holy. When he says it, I do it. Now, here's what you want to look for in your life if you're this kind of person who has diminished the holiness of God and said, I can do what he's called me to. What you want to look for is uh, judgment and joylessness. Joylessness first. Because uh, Christianity for you is all commands, all obedience. Uh, he is my commander he's my king only right like he's holy he's mighty i do it and we, we find ourselves striving right and, and often we feel like man i'm not getting up to it so we just keep striving he said it i do it but but we're just gonna keep trying harder and we're joyless or or we attain it and we're prideful and we say man i've done it but the joy is an overwhelming a gratitude of who he is we we're doing it and then judgment right that's what you look for we're looking left and right and saying you're not doing as i am doing but then some of us, well, some of us are grace people, love people, mercy people. And our life is marked by, hey, we gotta, you gotta, we gotta embrace the love of, the hippie Christians, <laughs> you gotta embrace the love of our God. He's forgiven you, you're fine. He's forgiven me, I'm fine. And, oh, I know he says this or that, but come on in. This is a love fest. <laughs> And so, so we live our life and, and, and we, we, we were kind of only kind of, we diminish kind of the grace of God and, and who he is and how much he loves us and what it cost him. We cheapen the grace that he paid for on the cross for us. How do we do that? What, what we want to look for in our lives is that we're, we're kind of managing or minimizing sin or we're kind of morphing the truth. Right, so we manage, we minimize our sin, and we just say, oh, it's okay. And, and, and that sin just lingers in a way we never really get after it because we never see how uh, trustworthy and merciful and kind our God is. That we would say, oh, man, I, I want that sin to be gone, done, over with in the grace of my God. So we manage, we let it linger, and we also morph truth. Uh, in, in order to love and be merciful to other people, internally we decide, actually, maybe that isn't true in this or that area of obedience in my life. And, and it's just fine to live this way or that way. So come on in, everybody. And so, so we minimize, we diminish the grace of our God. Or we minimize, we diminish the glory, the holiness of our God. Well, here's what needs to occur. 
Uh, we need to God-size, maximize, supersize both. <laughs> but I, you know, maybe you saw that documentary, Supersize Me. Man, that guy kind of ruined his life. <laughs> All he did was eat supersized McDonald's meals. <laughs> That's a bummer. Don't do that. Uh, but, but here's what happens. What, what we need to do is we need to be more frightened of our God, be more in awe of our God, uh, realize more how absolutely holy he is that we can never attain a standard. Uh, we need to be with the shepherds and shake in fear before our holy God, take, taking the bar of his holiness, his glory, and not diminishing it, but raising it to a God-sized, maximized level where we say, he is so perfect, he is so holy, I'm toast. I can't do it. I can't live up to the standard he set. And you can't. You know what you think. You know what you do. You know what you don't do. You know even why you do it. You do good things so you can look at God and say, see, I'm good enough to justify your... Even the good stuff is self-centered. Maximize his holiness. Maximize his glory. And at the same time, maximize his grace. Maximize his mercy. Where we, we shudder before him in fear. He says, no, I've paid the way in Christ. You can come in as a son or daughter. I love you that much. You couldn't do anything to earn it. I'm that holy. But come on in. You are saved. You're forgiven. You're embraced. Why? Because of the cross. Because the holy God came. Fully holy. Always perfect. Jesus enters the earth. A miracle of Advent. The holy God who's in the heavens comes to earth. And he lives absolutely perfectly in your place and in my place. And then the mercy, the love meets the justice and the holiness of God on the cross. Oh, where we should be toast, the wages of sin is death, we're not holy. But he is holy and he hangs on that cross and the mercy and the love meet the justice and the holiness of our God on the cross. And all we do is receive it. And say, oh, I receive what you've done for me in Christ. And it collides at the cross. He was a baby born to live a perfect life. He's this boy who grows up and lives perfectly. And then he's a man who dies on the cross. And he resurrects God himself out of the grave. And so that's the Christmas miracle. <laughs> that's the Christmas miracle. I... Uh, I don't, think we, I don't think we grasp this. I don't think we grasp how holy he is and how merciful and kind and loving he is. Uh, these moments often happen where heaven breaks into earth and all through the scriptures and, and often angels are there. Angels are there in that moment. And there's this one back in Isaiah chapter 6. It's one of my favorite passages. Isaiah's there. He's, he's talking right after uh, King Uzziah died. That's the 10th king of Judah. So uh, he's, he's a, a, a king uh, over God's people, and that guy's died. And, and Isaiah, is, is, he keeps kind of harping at this, hey, look, you guys need to live uh, in step with the holy God. Like his, his patience is running thin. And listen to this passage. Isaiah, and if there's anybody who could stand in the throne room of God, like as a, as a good dude, it'd be Isaiah, right? Like he's a prophet of God. Like God ought to say, come on in, buddy. You know, Jesus is my homeboy, right? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated upon a throne. 
high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, this is angels, each had six wings and with two they cover their face because God is so holy. With two they cover their feet and and with two they're flying around and they're calling one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. They say holy, 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 right? He's that is terrifying. In the Hebrew, you say something repetitiously, not just to repeat it, but because it magnifies it each time. Holy, holy, holy is our God. And they're trembling even in fear. Angels. And the foundations of the threshold shook and the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. I mean, this is terrifying. And I said, woe is me. That's the right response. For I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I'm toast. One of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he'd taken from the tongs from the altar of incense, the place where you make sacrifice. And he touched my mouth and he said, Behold, he, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And your sin is atoned or paid for. I cannot stand before you, my holy God. Oh, yes, you can, because I made a sacrifice for you, and it'll cleanse you, it'll make you guiltless, it'll make you blameless, it'll make you pure. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go. When we see the holiness of our God collide with the mercy and the grace of our God, we just say, oh, that is good news. It's not what we do. We can't make ourselves there, but it's what he's done on the cross for us. So I'm a, I'm a pastor, right? Uh, no. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, I've been in this neighborhood for a while, uh, living there for about 10 years, and this uh, couple this couple, uh, I guess they knew I was a pastor, and so Courtney talked with them some, and, and they came uh, on Thursday to our house. Uh, they, just, they just showed up on the front step. I'm not going to tell all these stories uh, or all, all the details, but uh, they come, and, and they say, uh, oh, hey, you, your husband's a pastor, right, a minister? And Courtney says, yeah, yeah, he is. And, and they say, uh, would, would he perform our wedding? And, and, um, and Courtney says, I, I guess so. I don't know, you know? And so, uh, and then they say, uh, Tomorrow. <laughs> I love it, right? Like, you can't make these stories. I've done 70 or so weddings, and, like, they are all different. And so, like, and so, so they call me. I pick it up in the office. Uh, hello, didn't recognize the number. Hey, this is so-and-so, so-and-so. Oh, we're both on the line. Okay, cool. Hey, hey. And, and Corey had tipped me off. Hey, this couple's probably going to call you. And I'm like, okay. And, and uh, so pick up. They say, hey, would you perform our wedding? I said, well, let's talk some. You know, so we talk some. And then, and, they're, and then they're like, and it's tomorrow, you know? And so I'm like, okay, okay. And, but it's going to be in our backyard. No one's coming, right? And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's, we talk it through. Uh, so we talk, and, and it, you know, it comes to pass that the, neither of them uh, yet knew the grace and the glory and, and, and the depth of Jesus' love for them. So yeah, I'll, I'll do your wedding. But hey, would you meet with me for an hour beforehand and then meet with me a few times on the back end? They said, we'd love to do that. They're, they're an awesome couple, right? Uh, this is the first time I met them. And so uh, we, we get together, we're, meet, we're talking, and... 
And I'm just, I say, hey, this good news of what Jesus has done, is that could take center stage in your marriage to come. That would really change everything. It's like the core of our relationship with each other and the core of our relationship with God. And they're like, well, tell us about it. I'm like, okay. So I said, just talk through. And, you know, I'm literally just saying, and so I said, you know, sometimes we just think we have to earn our way to God to be pleasing to him and pleasing to others. I'm just kind of sharing it. And, and then I said, but man, you know, he, he's done everything. You know, so he sent his son who lived a perfect life, the life we didn't live. And, and then he died in our place. And then he resurrected and wants a relationship with you. One of them starts weeping. As I say, it's just like that. Weeping right there. And it was the dude. <laughs> and he's a Baltimore City cop. And I say, hey, bro, why, why are you crying so much? And his wife looks at him and says, yeah, why are you crying? You never cry. She goes, she literally says, tell me about that. <laughs> and so, yeah, I said, tell us about that. He, I'll never forget it. He says, that's really good news. That is really good news. It is such good news what our God has done for us. He loves you that much. His love is greater than you could ever imagine. His mercy is greater than you ever imagined. He is so dang holy, we can't approach him trying to do better, be better, go to church more, keep the Ten Commandments. None of it. But he's made a way in the cross, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That is good news, as the angel said. Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the King. A Savior is born. I think there's one last reason that God chose to tell the shepherds first. It's because it's, it's one of the greatest kind of metaphors for God himself in the scriptures. It's one of the greatest roles that Jesus lives out in his life. Uh, Jesus says this of himself, and it's a, a time where we're going to prepare, in a sense, just to come in wonder of who our God is. And like Mary did, to ponder and treasure these things that we might say, God, do this miracle in me, this Christmas, and transform my heart, my mind, my soul, my life. He says in, of himself, Jesus, in John chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who come before me, they're thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I'm the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I come that they might have life and have it abundantly. He says, you can come into relationship with the living God through me. That's what Jesus says. And then he says, because I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I want to give us a time to reflect and wonder in our time of communion this morning. I want us to think about, man, what has our Savior done for us? Our good shepherd Who's the, the glorious, the holy, the righteous God who's come to pour out his mercy, his love, and his grace on me? I want you to think about 
Did you know you're invited? <laughs> you're invited in by grace. Uh, did you know that you even have an invitation to bring to others? Uh, did you know how holy he is, but how merciful he is, and how that compels us into a new life of absolute obedience and love and trust in every area of who we are? If he did this for you, you can trust him, you can love him, you can obey him in response. So if you're not yet trusting in Christ, would you, would you do just what that couple did on Friday? Would you receive? Maybe not in communion this morning, but just receiving, talking to him in prayer. And saying, I want to receive what you've done for me in Christ. And if you are following him, would you ask him to come anew and afresh in a way where his grace, his mercy would cover you. That you'd, you'd be more in step and in line, compelled by his love and, and holiness and obedience. And remember who he is and what he's done as the good shepherd who laid down his life for you. Now talk with your God and then take and eat and drink when you're ready.